This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. And uh, my apologies for the unexpected week off last week. Um, I did not plan accurately. I had some travel that I had to do. And then um, I thought I had enough episodes recorded. And it turns out I didn't. And I tried to get one done. And it wouldn't happen. So I just let it go. <laughs> um, so that's... Uh, Sorry if you were expecting one last week. There was none. Um, this week, I, um, I've been thinking about it where I feel like I have some stuff to say on some topics that really um, kind of intersect a few different things about um, the clients that I work with. And one of the themes that kind of kept coming up for me was emotional permanence. Now, if you don't know what emotional permanence is, it's the concept of um, understanding that you are loved and cared for and valued um, without uh, the um, without the presence of a person being there um, or um, in absence of any... Um, vocalization of those terms. Now, emotional permanence usually um, is, uh, whether somebody has emotional permanence or doesn't, really depends on how emotionally present their parents were. This this is not, um, I'm not reinventing the wheel here when it comes to psychology, this is just how it goes. Um, our parents uh, in our upbringing determines a lot of what our kind of baseline as adults is, and this is a big one. Now, you add in the context of um, narcissistic mothers, so there's um, there's no emotional stability, emotional caretaking available there because the mother herself is too uh, emotionally stunted or disconnected, dissociated, whatever term you want to use in order to be present for her child in that way. Then on, if you add in um, some neurodivergence uh, traits, so whether it's autism or AD, if in my case it's ADHD, in my clients a lot of times it comes up as ADHD, and then you add in the cultural aspects of being a South Asian, and on the, on top of that is the social construct of white capitalist patriarchy. It is a shit show when it comes to emotional permanence. Um, 
emotional permanence as it is, is really hard to, to have, um, if you do come from a background of emotional neglect, that's just, that's a given. That's kind of how it, that's where a lack of emotional permanence really comes from. But to instill some emotional permanence within yourself as you're doing your healing work, you have, you will come up against these different aspects of yourself, whether it's the neurodivergence, it's the, the social culture, whether it's the, um, the subculture of your, your ancestors, all of that kind of comes in when you're, you know, as you're developing your own emotional permanence, you, you'll hit up against these things that um, can feel like roadblocks. And I know that I personally have felt that way in my journey. And I know um, quite a few of my, my clients have as well. And what's interesting is that on what I've noticed, at least, you know, with, with the people that I, that I work with and, and myself is that I am more than capable of establishing emotional permanence when I'm not in relation to anybody. So if it's just me by myself, and I'm not thinking in context of a relationship, uh, any kind of relationship at all. I'm not talking about friends. I'm not talking about family. I'm not talking about a partner, none of those things. Me by myself, I'm actually pretty okay. Um, I can um, tap into confidence when I need to. I've done enough work on myself to be able to do that. Um, I can tap into self-acceptance um, as needed, um, self-love as needed, um, even... Um, when I'm going through depressive periods, um, I, I still am able to eventually, like once the, the wave of the initial emotions kind of passes, even in depressive states, I'm able, or anxious states, I'm, I'm, I'm still able to access some, some level of emotional permanence because of the work that I've done. But what's funny is that how it comes up, how, how my, emotional impermanence shows up is when I'm talking about um, myself in context of relationships, when I'm relating with other people. Um, it is interesting where emotional impermanence shows up for me. Um, now, I don't have I don't have a very large list of friends. I actually purposely keep my friend group very, very small, um, enough that I can count them on one hand. And I don't actually have um, emotional impermanence with my friends. Um, I think part of the reason why I consider them my friends is because we, among each other in our relationships over the course of time, you know, whichever, you know, depending on which friend it is, but um, among all of them, the common theme is that we are um, able to validate each other without um, necessarily advocating for whatever action you may want to take. Like I can, I can validate my friend while not agreeing with how they choose to go about dealing with said issue. Um, and also not taking it personally when they choose to do something that I don't agree with, or if that's not my advice I, and if they choose to go in the opposite direction, I also don't take that personally. Um, I think with most people, um, Intimate relationships really tend to trigger us the most, what if, especially in the category of emotional permanence, because there is this, I think platonic love has a way of being very 
um, safety oriented. If you're doing it right, I think there's a lot of safety kind of given in platonic love. And I have no doubt that no matter if I go months without talking to a friend or if I go years without talking to a friend, I know that I can pick up the phone one day and talk to them and everything will be fine. Like I, I've never really, um, had any kind of doubt as to who's my friend and who's not. Um, overall over the course of over the course of time and I think part of that has to do with just because I've I personally have been somebody who moves around a lot so you may have periods of time where you don't talk to a really good friend but you can always just kind of jump right back into it um with them and maybe that's just you know for me it's just practice having done it so many times in romantic love it just seems to be a lot harder and it does seem to trigger us all in ways that um, whatever even minute almost uh, ways that you may have some emotional impermanence kind of still lingering around in you that doesn't really show up in other relationships, it doesn't necessarily show up in your job, it doesn't show up with your friends. Um, if you have a somewhat um, kind of stable relationship with family, it could be that it doesn't show up there either. But in romantic love, all of a sudden it shows up all the time. And even the little instances seem to be magnified. And I think that, I think that's a case for, um, I've, I mean, I've noticed it's, it being the case like that for a lot of people where it necessarily won't show up in other relationships, um, but it will show up here. It'll show up with their spouse. It'll show up with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever. And I find it interesting only in the sense that like I have it in all these other relationships. So I'm always like, you know, why does it show up in this one area of my life? Why doesn't it show up anywhere else? Um, and what I've noticed consistently with myself is that I, A, it depends a lot on how the other person is able to be a source of um, validation. Now, but what I've also noticed is a problem is a lot of people think that if you validate somebody, you have to agree with them, and they're actually not the same thing at all. Um, you can validate someone without agreeing at all with what, what, how they're perceiving the situation, how they're experiencing it. You could just think that everything this other person is doing is absolutely wrong. You can still validate them. Validation is a, is a form of, is a, um, is a way of empathizing with somebody else. Um, and that has nothing to do with whether or not you agree with somebody else. They're not the same thing. So, that is one reason why I think my emotional permanence in romantic relationships is um, less um, less felt than it is in my other relationships. The other thing is, I I feel at least for me and the people that I have worked with on this particular issue that when you, especially if you are, have a family, if you've created a family with this person, you still have um, the, the fears of abandonment. Um, 
the, and it's really the emotional abandonment because most of us, we didn't, we weren't actually physically abandoned by our family at all. It was the emotional and spiritual abandonment that we experienced from our parents, especially from our mothers, that really kind of just imprints itself on us. And trying to undo that is really difficult. It is a day-to-day process. And I think that's really what comes up. It's just that you can be, everything can look like everything's working fine, yet underneath it all, you're still not sure if this other person you've chosen to spend your life with, make a family with, is going to continue choosing you if one day they're just going to check out. Because your, your, mother, your mother did. She had you. She, she, she created you, gave birth to you, and yet still at the end of it, she couldn't have cared less. So there is that, it's that emotional abandonment that we're um, constantly, honestly, afraid of. And it is a fear that, ki- that can distort our ability to see whether or not we are relating healthfully with our partner. And, and it also prevents us from clearly seeing whether or not we are in a stable emotional space. And now for context. So there is that part where, yeah, you yourself are bringing in these fears. You have this story that you are trying to let go of, but still will show up for you. And you have this very real fear of being emotionally abandoned by somebody who you are emotional, very emotionally invested with. The other part of it is, is your partner able to understand, A, underst- try to have some concept of understanding of where you're coming from? And B, are they able to kind of hold you in those moments when you can't hold yourself, emotionally speaking? And sometimes this might be even like a, a physical being held, but this is, there are going to be times when our fears kind of get to the best of us, the best of us. You know, you could be in a high stress period in your life. It could be a season where you're just going through a lot of change and a lot of shifts and, and it's hard to kind of, kind of have your, your feet on solid ground. And sometimes a lot of that uneasiness and that instability kind of pours over into a space that, um, usually is not not infected with that and so if you if your emotional permanent um, impermanence kind of shows up in high stress times um and all of a sudden you're now projecting all of that onto your partner and your relationship with your partner is your partner able to be a source of comfort and stability in those moments and being like look i know i understand where this is coming from from you i'm like i know you're not yourself completely 100% yourself right now which is why you're doubting our relationship but hey we're fine what can I do or what do you need how can I help and if you are not able to even articulate any of those things maybe they are just a place to rest your shoulder on for a minute while your inner turmoil kind of calms down a little bit now this is a lot easier said than done and that's from personal experience. I, um, I struggle with emotional permanence um, in my relation, in like my intimate relationships for sure, and um, 
I, it shows up in new friendships for me also. Um, but all, but the other thing is that when I am going through uh, depressive episodes, and the and my in the depression kind of comes back, in a, in a really big way. Those are also times when I am less likely to be able to tap into the emotional permanence I've kind of worked on within myself even. So that then I then I then project that onto my relationships. I'll think that, you know, friends that I've known for a really long time don't care about me. I am all alone. The um, abandonment comes up very, very hard. I end up focusing a lot on my um, my estrangement from people, um, from from my family, from old friends that, you know, I just kind of outgrew and I, we, there wasn't really an estrangement, but it was kind of like, you know, some friendships you leave behind when you're, when, when they're kind of done. And, and I, I'm learning to, I'm still, it's still a learning process for me, but I am learning to um, deal with a lot of those kind of thoughts and feelings that come up that are very much um, old childhood stuff, but they do show up in my, in my life and they just show up in my experience in a way that seems very, very real. And if I get too caught up into it, that I'm not able to clearly kind of see where I'm at in my life, what I've done with my life, how I've moved out of a lot of old patterns and that this old stuff t seems to come up when it's kind of like time to release like another layer of it. That's one thing. And the other thing is um, maybe I am overextended. Maybe I am um, richly scheduled and I really do need to reach out and... Um, reach out to some of the other relationships that do have that emotional permanence for me to remind me that, hey, you do have people, you're not as alone as you think you are. And also that maybe the relationship I'm projecting all those insecurities onto doesn't really have all those issues. It's just the most convenient place for me to be like, oh, this is the problem, because it's a lot easier than dealing with the fact that, oh my God, there's another childhood wound that's coming up for me that I have to deal with now. Because I will tell you honestly, when you do this work on a day-to-day -day basis, there's a lot of days you don't want to show up. There's a lot of days that you will um, prevent yourself from naming the wound correctly, because it's just like, you've done it before and you're tired and you don't want to do it again. And that happens and you just, this is as much permission for myself as it is for anyone else who's listening, but it's okay to take a few days off if you need to. It's hard to do this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. If you need to, like I've taken, I will purposely um, find other ways to cope for weeks if I have to until I feel like I have enough bandwidth to be able to go and dive deep into this thing and you know figure it out so there's nothing wrong with you if you need that kind of time and space from yourself even because sometimes it is hard but like always I'll always say as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else there is no right way to live life so you know there's also no right or wrong way of doing the healing either just do what you need to do and if 
you're not ready to process some more right now if you're not if you don't have the bandwidth the time and space in your schedule or your life right now to be able to give yourself a few days or a week or however much time you need to process through whatever's coming up you know what it can wait it'll still be there believe me it will still be there when you do have that bandwidth um so i'd really love to hear from you guys if you could uh, leave a comment below on the, the blog post for this episode or um, even in the comment section or um, in the review section if you want to leave any of your thoughts around, this, um, around emotional permanence and how, you might, how it shows up for you um, in the context of whatever emotional neglect you may have experienced and um, what do you do when what normally seems like a very stable place starts to feel unstable because of some other bigger thing that's going on. Um, thanks so much again. And I will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the cherished you podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share it really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most